rebellion God is thinking about. Something definite. It's not a transgression. It's not a general transgression. It is the transgression. And that's the very first thing we find out. What's interesting is if you look at Daniel chapter 9, look at a couple verses before in 22 and 23. Angel Gabriel comes to speak to Daniel. And Angel Gabriel says, I have I am come forth to give thee skill and understanding. And he says in verse 23, For thou art greatly beloved, therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. What's happening? In Daniel chapter 9, if you read the beginning part of the chapter, it is my belief, and I believe Dr. Arnold Fruitbaum believes this as well, and some other Hebrew scholars, that Daniel is actually praying what's known as a national confession for Israel. You can find this confession in Leviticus 26, verses 40 through 42. Even the suffering servant of Isaiah 53 is believed by a lot of Messianic Jewish people that that is the prayer as well that the Jewish people will pray to go ahead and get forgiveness for a national confession of sin. And so what's happening is it appears Daniel is confessing this sin on behalf of the nation seeking to usher in the messianic kingdom. Angel Gabriel comes and according to verses 22 and 23, he says, I've come to give you understanding in what you're praying. That's why he says it's not 70 weeks, it's 70 times 7, it's 77s. So the end of your Babylonian captivity in 70 years, that's not when the kingdom's coming. It's 70 years times 7 or 490 years. That's why the 77s play a role. He was thinking 70 years, and then Gabriel says, no, it's 70 times 7. If you read the book of Jeremiah, you'll read that there are false prophets in the Babylonian uh, captivity of the Jewish people. They're telling them, oh, we're about to be free. We're about to be free. And Jeremiah's like, no, we're here for 70 years. Don't listen to these people. And so what's happening is Daniel is praying, trying to usher in the messianic kingdom based upon Leviticus 26.42 and Isaiah 27.9 talks about a singular iniquity that will be purged from Jacob. And a lot of people believe this national confession is part of that ushering it in. What is this transgression? So remember, this is dealing with thy people and thy city. So the first purpose of these 70 weeks is there's going to be a time when Israel will seek national forgiveness for a particular rebellion. And that rebellion would be known as the unpardonable sin. If we know anything about the Jewish people, the remnant, and what happened with the kingdom, we have got to understand the unpardonable sin. That is one of the most pivotal moments in Jewish history in eschatology. If we get the unpardonable sin wrong, none of the Messianic kingdom prophecies really make sense or even these things. So that's the first thing. The second thing we're told that the 70 weeks are to make an end of sins. The word sins here is plural. It's not one sin. It's not sins in general. It's plural, all sins or the sin nature. When it says to make an end up, it means to seal up or to stop permanently, to stop it for good. That's what the Hebrew word means. Remember, this is talking about thy people. This is talking about the Jewish people. And so what we're being told here is there's going to be a time during these 70 weeks these 490 years after the 70 week, week that the sins of the Jewish people will cease. Let me elaborate on that. 
Let's see, where are we at? So they will completely remove the sin nature from all Jewish people at the completion of the 70th week. Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31 is one of the parts that talks about what's known as the new covenant. A lot of people misunderstand the totality of the new covenant. The new covenant, the, to me, one of the biggest things about the new covenant is the fact that God will give the remnant of Israel a heart that will not turn away from God. Period. It's found in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33. It says, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God. They shall be my people. Another parallel passage is found in Ezekiel 26, or 36. He says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. So you shall keep my judgments and do them. A lot of times people will take this verse and say, when we are a Christian, we get God's spirit in us and we will persevere in our faith. We will not have any struggles with sin nature, yada, yada, yada. He is specifically talking about the Jewish people and the Jewish nation of Israel at a particular time. And so to make an end for sins, Gabriel is telling Daniel that there will be a period during these 70 weeks that the Jewish people will no longer have a sin nature. Now more can be elaborated on it, but again, for sake of time, I need to move forward. The third negative is to make reconciliation for iniquity. Now for all six of them, I believe this is the one that's actually completed during the 70-week time period. The others are still pending fulfillment. Basically, what this is talking about is there's a guilt upon, again, thy people, thy city. So there's guilt of sin and trespasses that needs to be reconciled. When you read in Daniel chapter 9, 25 through 27, you get to the aspect of Jesus Christ coming and him being cut off for the people and his death for the sins of the world. And so he is making an atonement or purging those sins. This is what John chapter 1 verse 29 talks about. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Isaiah 53 verse 10. Again the suffering servant passage talks about Jesus the Messiah is going to make his soul an offering for sin. Hebrews chapter 2 verse number 17 says that Jesus' death makes reconciliation for the sins of the people. Now, out of the six, this is one where Gentile believers partake in as well. Because we are told in John chapter 10, verse number 16, that there are other sheep not of that fold, talking about the Jewish believers at the time of Christ, that we receive that reconciliation as well. Romans 5.10 gives us that perspective from Paul that we were reconciled by the death of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5, God says that Jesus has reconciled us to himself. And so through the death of Christ, we were reconciled. There was a reconciliation for the iniquity. Now I see what John's talking about. The clicker thing doesn't really work very well. I told you this is going to be fast moving. It's going to be a lot of information. If anybody wants these slides, I have them in PowerPoint and PDF that I can send you. The first positive, the fourth thing that's going to happen during the 70 weeks is to bring in everlasting righteousness. The Hebrew word for everlasting is olam, and there's a difference as far as uh, how it can be used in the Bible. It can mean forever. It can mean a long period of time or an age, if you will. Dr. Frutenbaum believes this is talking about a period of time, a duration, not a never-ending aspect right here. Realize, because I was struggling with this, I was like, okay, so if we just posit this is messianic kingdom, what about the eternal order? 
What about the new heaven and the new earth? But Fruitbaum pointed out something interesting that I never really considered. In the Old Testament, there was no concept of what we know as the eternal order or the new heavens and the new earth. In the Old Testament, the program was specifically about the Messianic kingdom, what we now know as the millennial kingdom. Even the Old Testament didn't have a duration. We don't get a thousand-year millennial kingdom until the book of Revelation. And so the Old Testament only focused on the Messianic kingdom of Christ. And so there will be a point of time, the 70th week, that there will be a, a ushering in of everlasting righteousness. Now this goes to an aspect of studying the book of Revelation as far as its fulfillment. Has anybody, I'm curious, ever heard of the term preterism? Okay, okay, you have. So there's a view out there as far as when you look at the book of Revelation of Christ, preterism teaches that all the book of Revelation was symbolically fulfilled by A.D. 70. And so it all has already occurred. Now the problem with that view is in the book of Revelation in chapter 19, there's a reference to a thousand year reign of Christ. That is the messianic kingdom. One talks about the duration. One talks about the ruler, messianic millennium. And so the preterist view cannot be accurate because according to Daniel 9.24, once Revelation is completed, at Revelation 19, then the everlasting righteousness will be ushered in. And I, being there last night, I would argue that everlasting righteousness has not been ushered in at this point. And so... This is what they're talking about. It's the establishment of the Messianic kingdom at the conclusion of the 70th week of Daniel. The fifth one is to seal up the vision and the prophecy. Now this one gives me a little bit of trouble because it depends on how you view the words visions and prophecies and what it actually means. So studying this and looking into this and drawing some stuff from aerial ministries, the vision really gives the idea of like oracles that are given, like uh, dreams if you will. And then the prophecy is what we know as in the Old Testament, the prophets, the writings, the, f- the prophecies that are given. And so we're told that with the 70 weeks of Daniel, that the vision and the prophecies will be sealed up. Now this seal up is the same word that's used to make an end of sins. It means to either bring it to complete fulfillment, to stop it for good, or to simply seal it up. At some point, there will be no more visions, prophecies, no more unfulfilled Old Testament prophecies because again this is all talking about the messianic kingdom and so when this fifth purpose is talking about sealing up those visions and prophecies all the Old Testament prophecies will be fulfilled upon the completion of Daniel chapter 9 70th week of Daniel but wait what about Pentecost what about Acts chapter 2 We read here in Joel chapter 2 that during the end times that God is going to pour out a spirit and we are told that sons and daughters will prophesy and old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions. What about this verse? I argue this is talking about the end times. This is talking during the tribulation period. This is not completely fulfilled at Pentecost. What Peter says at Acts chapter 2 is that this is a a type of fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. When you parallel the two in concert with 
the dreams and the prophecies is also these signs and wonders in the heaven. When you read the book of Revelation, I think it's Revelation chapter 6, these signs become very vividly illustrated. And so these signs of the heavens and the earth, the blood and the fire, pillars of smoke and all these things, they're going to come before the great terrible day of the Lord, or I would argue the second half of the tribulation period. So it can't have occurred yet because I believe during the tribulation period these things will be coming out and we'll look at it in a few verses here in a moment. But also the prophecies, there's still some unfulfilled Old Testament prophecies. One of the biggest one is the Messianic kingdom has yet to be established. And so once that is established, it will be sealed up at that point. And so that's what we're talking about with the fifth purpose. The sixth one is actually probably the most debated amongst scholars. The sixth purpose is to go ahead and anoint the most holy. Anoint is to consecrate or set apart for holy purposes. Now the question is, what is the most holy? These are six ideas as far as what is the most holy being referenced here. Is it Christ? Is it the holy of holies part in the, in the temple of Jerusalem? Is it specifically the fourth temple as a whole? I, I would lean towards it's the consecration of the fourth temple in the messianic kingdom. I think that's the view also that Fruitbaum holds and that's probably why I hold it. But whatever view that's held, what we do know is the fact that a part of Jerusalem, thy people and thy city, will be anointed and prepared for Christ to rule on his messianic kingdom, on his throne. And so that is the sixth purpose of the 70 weeks of Daniel. Now I bring this aspect up. This has to be completed, I would argue, before day uh, 1,335. And what do I mean by that? If you were to turn to Daniel chapter 12 real quick, Daniel chapter 12, you will read in verse number 12, or we'll start in verse 11. And from the time that the daily sacrifice be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the a thousand three hundred and five and thirty days. So there's two days that are being referenced. One thousand two hundred and ninety and one thousand three hundred and thirty-five. Now, if you do your math based upon Jewish reckoning of their months, they reckon their months on 30 days. They do it with a lunar calendar, if you will. And so 30 days would actually equate to 1,260. 1,260 is three and a half years. And so that's the great tribulation period. That's the second half of the tribulation period. He says the 1,290th day. So after that three and a half year period, there's a 30 day span of time which the most holy is, I would argue, being anointed at that point. But then when you get to day 1,335, that is 75 days from that 1260, the three and a half years. That is 75 day interval. I believe that is when the messianic kingdom actually begins at that point. 
So what happens in this span of time between 1260 and 1335? What happens in these 75 days? Well, we have the destruction of the abomination of desolation. Satan is bound in the bottomless pit. You have the false prophet and the Antichrist cast in the lake of fire. You have in Matthew 25, the sheep and the goat judgment. I would put that specifically. Then you have the fourth temple being anointed for Messiah to take his rightful place on the throne. And we've talked about this a few weeks back, talking about the red heifer and why is it a big deal? The red heifers are being shipped over there with the Temple Institute because the red heifer is necessary to purify the temple. And the fact that they're getting the heifers prepared and they have everything ready to go points to the fact that the anointing of the fourth temple not the third that the Antichrist will defile, but the fourth will be completed as supposed to be. So the six purposes of the 77s. Number one, the unpardonable sin will be stopped. Number two, the new covenant will be completely fulfilled. Number three, the death, burial, resurrection reconciled the Jewish people and all people because he made reconciliation for sins of the world. Number four, the age of righteousness, or i.e. the messianic kingdom, will be established. The divine revelations, visions, and prophecies will end up ceasing. And the fourth temple will be anointed for the ruling of Christ on his throne. These are the purposes of Daniel 9.24. So then, a fun question I always like to entertain is, when will Jesus Christ return? A lot of us already know the answer to this, simplistically speaking. Jesus Christ will return when the national leadership of Israel believe in him as the Messiah and call for his return. What does this look like based upon systematic theology? eschatology. What does this look like according to scripture line by line? Well, first we see in Matthew chapter 12, the unpardonable sin was committed. The national Jewish leadership rejected Jesus as the Messiah on the basis of being demon possessed by Beelzebub. And therefore he said that that sin is not forgivable in this generation, in this age. So they have this unpardonable sin. The iniquity of Jacob has to be purged to finish the rebellion. This is what it's talking about. Jesus Christ says that you will not see me again until you acknowledge me as Messiah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Then from there, we get Zechariah chapter 13, verses 8 and 9. It says, It will come to pass in the land that two parts will be cut off and die, but the third will be left, and I will bring the third through the fire. What is he talking about here? In context, during the tribulation period, Scripture records that two-thirds of the Jewish people will die. One-third of the Jewish people that remain will be the believing remnant that will ultimately usher in and call for Jesus Christ as Messiah to come. From there, Jeremiah 31, the new covenant will be completely fulfilled. God will place the Spirit in their hearts. Ezekiel 36, their heart of stone will re be replaced with a heart of flesh. They will be made to walk in His laws, His commands, His statutes forever. And then we get to Joel chapter 2, verse 32. And it says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is not necessarily evangelistic verse. It's okay to use it that way applicationally, but in, in context, it's talking about the physical deliverance of the Jewish people from the Antichrist and from Satan. Then you get back to Zechariah 13. At that point, the new covenant, they're going to call on Christ. They'll call on my name. I will hear them. And then from there, blessed is he who comes to the 1,335th day. 
When will Jesus Christ come back? Jesus Christ will come back when the unpardonable sin is completed, when the Jewish people nationally confess their sin and acknowledge Christ as Messiah. They petition for his salvation to physically come and deliver him at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. We can go into a lot more about that. So ultimately, putting this all together, what is Daniel 9.24 purposes about? The 77s is God's sovereign plan to turn the hearts of the Jewish people back to him, remaining faithful to his unconditional covenants that he still has with the Israeli people and the Jewish people, and he will fulfill the Messianic kingdom establishment. That is the six purposes of Daniel 9.24 in 28 minutes. And so, whew! <laughs> yeah. So, any questions? No, I figured not. <laughs> exactly. Like I said, I have his. The biggest thing to understand and realize is God's plan is sovereignly decreed. These 70 weeks will come to pass. We've seen 69 of them already fulfilled. There's a gap of time waiting for the 70th week to be fulfilled. We're told in 925 through 27 that the Antichrist will make a covenant with many, the Jewish people, for one week. You have 69 fulfilled, plus one week is 70. The culmination of that 70th week, i.e. the tribulation period, the seven-year tribulation period, these six purposes will be fulfilled. And then the Messianic kingdom will come. So anybody that's told you that the Messianic kingdom has already come or is here already does not know their scripture. And they need to learn from people like Brock or Pastor Ken or Fruitenbaum because scripture is clear in this regard. So I guess the biggest thing, unpardonable sin, one of the most pivotal things that happened to the Jewish people with the earthly ministry of Christ. And it's because of that, the purposes have to be fulfilled in its totality. And the first one's going to finally finish that rebellion. And God will draw his people back to him. That's that. Clear? Yeah? I know it's Wednesday night, and, you know, it, it was very difficult. And Brock's looking down, so I don't know if I did a good job or not. So... <laughs> so, I want to close with a word of prayer. If you do want these slides, PDF, just let me know. I can email them to you, print them. You know, if you want them online, let me know. I email them as well. But uh, you can sit there. You can check all the references, all the scriptures. You can look at all this information and let me know how I'm wrong. And, and, and that's fine. But uh, I'll be glad to give it to you. So with that, let us pray, and then uh, just be in prayer for Sunday service also. I'm leaning towards a 9-11 message, so let us pray. God, I thank you for this evening. Thank you for Daniel 9-24 and just clarity of what's going to happen in the end and the fact that you are sovereign. Your purposes will not be thwarted as far as your redemption plan, as far as your purposes with Israel, your unconditional covenants you made with Israel and Jewish people. I thank you for the immutability, the unchangingness of you and your character and your promises. And so, Lord, I know it was a lot to digest tonight, a lot to hear, and it's a work night, so I'm thankful for the people's attendance tonight. And I pray that the Spirit would just generate, you know, something from this evening that would encourage or equip them for your kingdom. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.